I want you to please turn to the book of Philippians. You know that the theme this, this year at the lectureship was the uh, book of Philippians and uh, the imitation of Christ. And there were many things said. There were many thoughts that were given to us. And I just want to share with you some things that I think will touch your life and will help you because of this great message that we have in Philippians. And, uh, of course, it's easy to misunderstand an epistle that was written in the first century. You have to understand that it was inspired, that he was an inspired writer that's from God. But at the same time, it was a message concerning uh, that which they should hear at that time. The Apostle Paul worked real diligently with that congregation. He started it, the first one on European soil. All the rest had been back in the Orient, the East. But he started it on European soil, the first congregation. He established it. And when he established it there, he, he baptized the Philippian jailer, and he baptized Lydia. And, uh, you know, uh, it grew to be one of the biggest and the best congregations that we read about in the New Testament. It supported him from the first day until the time that he wrote this epistle, which was probably at the point of his death, or if he didn't, he died shortly after that. And uh, they were the only congregation that supported him and prayed for him and uh, uh, gave him money. And uh, they held his hands up and uh, supported him and were the encouragers when he was having difficulty. Now he's writing this epistle back and he describes that uh, we've always said that there is not much going on there, that it's a, had the only congregation that had elders and deacons in the New Testament, and that it was a great congregation and that there was hardly any rebukes. I think we've overemphasized that or any correction. And that there wasn't any trouble in this congregation like it was in others, but there was trouble. And, and that's what I want to emphasize with you. There was a lot of difficulty, just like we have today. There was a lot of misunderstanding going on. There was a lot of hurt feelings. There was a lot of resentment and hatred that's going on in the minds of people. And uh, he was seeking to bring them together. And what a wonderful blessing that was. Uh, he, uh, <clears throat> the, the Christ is the central theme of this epistle. It's used over 50 times, or it's equivalent. It's used over 50 times in this in this epistle. And the underlying thing is that you, that your position in Christ, your address, your permanent address, is a solution to all your problems. And he used that 50, over 50 times, saying your position in Christ is the answer to your problems. And, you know, we need to stop and think about that. Now, in the, in the first uh, chapter, I want you to turn to the New Testament. Uh, and uh, in the seventh verse says, Even as it is meet 
appropriate, me means me means me appropriate, for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ, and that means in the mercy and the compassion and the love and the togetherness. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out, rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now, he's going to talk with them about some things that are going on there in the third chapter that's just terrible. It's, it's a feuding and a fussing and a fighting. And he's going to talk with them about two women having a big fuss there in the fourth chapter. And, he, and he's going to talk with them about their well, big differences going on in the second chapter. And the way he's keying in, he's telling them about his, that he's had this, and it, it always turned out for the best. So that my bonds in Christ Jesus were manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in, in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Why, well, a lot of things, they've seen conflict in his life, and it's just absolutely turned them on. That much more positive to, to suffer for Christ. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of the good of goodwill. Some are preaching it just to try to tear it down and try to cause trouble, and they were having trouble there. But he said, uh, Christ is preached, so Christ is a central thing. And he said, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bond. Now, I don't know where you are in the church, but if you spend more time talking about people, criticizing people, finding fault, you're in that category. And this epistle is talking to me and to you when we get there. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and I will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, and in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always and now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body. Now, whether it's in, in my life or in my death, or for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. What's in your life that's upsetting you today? How much of that load and how much of that anguish and how much of that fear and how much of that resentment and how much of that hate and how much of that confusion have you just delivered to Christ and let Christ handle it? That's what he's speaking about. But as I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose, I don't know, he says. I don't know whether... Have you ever got to the point where you say, it was better for me to die than to live? Think that's so suicidal? 
No, he's just saying it's evident that we're going to live or we're going to die. There's just two places. And he said, number 23, I'm in betwixt the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He didn't hesitate to tell us that uh, he, he, he was ready to depart, and he had been through a lot. Three journeys, a, a shipwreck coming to, to, to Rome, and uh, that he had been through these two years, we know, teaching people there. And he had a lot, of, a lot of opposition, and people have been criticizing him and still criticize him and still bringing things against, uh, trying to get him to uh, Caesar to really send him on and kill him. Uh, those Jews are still, we'll find in the, 23rd in the third chapter that they are still uh, causing trouble back over there, Philip, Philippi. And, and no doubt they're causing it there. And he gets to the point where he says, for me, but he said, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance and joy of faith. Now, there is a joy if you have faith. The reason you don't have joy is because that you don't have faith. Now, when things are going difficult and uh, uh, you're at the point to where he was and said, well, I'd rather be dead. I'd rather be with Christ. I'd rather be uh, in the eternity. He says that your righteousness, your rejoicing may be more abundant in, Christ, in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. But he located that, uh, uh, that uh, abundance in Jesus Christ and his rejoicing. It had to be in Christ. It had to be in Christ's control. Christ is, is the one that's is calling all the, the plays. And he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind. Now look at this. This is the plea. This is the letter. One spirit in one mind. Stand fast. And that striving there is an eagerness it's probably not the best synonym. It's not the best word for the meaning of that word. It's an eager effort. It's an undying effort. And that's the reason he puts striving together. It's an eager effort together with one mind and one spirit. Not divided, but together. And he said, in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Do all of us have difficult people to deal with? Do we have people that's giving us a hard time? Do we have a bad hair day? Every one of us. But he said that, that you just don't get terrified about that if you're in Christ, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of Christ. For unto you it is given on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict whether ye saw in what you saw in him and here to be in me. Now, there's definitely a conflict there, isn't it? When you look at the second chapter, he describes Christ and having his mind, as we read uh, uh, before the communion. But I want you to turn to the, tw to the 12th verse. Therefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed in my absence, 
not as in my presence only, but, but much more now in my absence. Now here was something for them to do. Your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because your position is in Christ, and you're in Christ, and God is in you, and he works in you. And look at number 14. What was happening there? Why was he saying that? They had some difficulty going on, didn't it? Number 14, is that in the family? Well, it could be. Was that in the church? Could be. Was that among one another? Could be. But how is he telling us to take our, our problems and our difficulties? He says you've got to act like children of God. And uh, you've got to act like you're in the midst of a crooked world. And it's among uh, people like that that you're shining as lights. And number 16, the Word of God is the light and Christ is the light. And this is, a, this is a message to you and to me. And look what he said. That you may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You know, a lot of difficulties that go on in the church of, the, of, of our Lord or in families or between people at work or at school or wherever. If they'd say, you know, what, what's, what's, the dip, what's, what's going to come of this? In eternity, what difference would this make? How could I act that I can make a difference in eternity? And if the person wasn't a saved, you ought to be sharing Christ with him. If he's a saved person and you're having difficulty with him, you ought to say, hey, in view of eternity, how should we act? This is what he's saying. And Luke 17 says, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice of service of your faith, you have faith in Christ, you put him in it, your address is in Christ, you're your permanent address, your, your location of your whole thinking system is in Christ. I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you rejoice and rejoice with me. Now, I want you to look at the third chapter. <clears throat> There's another thing, and he's tying all this together. He's just not writing one chapter or one verse. And, and he wasn't a a person to probably prove everything he was saying by just a scripture, taking it out of context and proving some kind of uh, a doctrine that he had, you know. But look at his, uh, his third chapter. He said, My brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And that's where they're located. See? They're located. How many times? He said, Look at number two. He said, You beware of dogs. You beware of evil workers. You beware of... That concision is the circumcision. People who gave him such a hard time in Galatia as he was traveling, the circumcision, the people who, who said, Are you, like we stood in class this morning, you can't be saved. You're not going to be, keep the law and be circumcised. Well, he said, you know, when, that, when Jesus healed that lady that, uh, or she asked him to heal her daughter, uh, and, and, and he said, well, you know, I don't, he didn't have anything to do with dogs. He called her a dog. She was a Canaanite woman. And he said, yes, Master, but said uh, the dogs get the crumbs, and all I'm asking for is the crumbs. He turned around to the people that were Jews, and he said, you know, I haven't seen faith like that among the Jews. 
They call them dogs, and this is what he's, he's calling here, these people. They were having trouble. They were having a lot of difficulty. How do we work? How do we work with people and adjust with people that calls us names and don't like us? If we don't like people, you can tell by your nonverbal language. You don't like them and they don't like you. We don't have anything to do with them unless you're in Christ. It's an evident token that you're not in Christ or you're not active in Christ if you act not like Christ. Look at that third verse. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Don't have a lot of confidence in the flesh. It's what's happening in the flesh. Oh no, but I've got to give I've got to give myself to the I've got to get on with the agenda of the day. So that was what this is all about. Look at the fourth chapter, and you'll get the picture. And we're going to close here with this and hope that you take Christ with you and hope that you find yourself in Christ. You're in danger of going into eternity without Christ. That is a terrible, terrible problem. Look at that fourth chapter. Therefore means that he's been dealing with it for three chapters. And this is a conclusion. And they were and he was writing them to tell them a message of how to be a blessing. One of the greatest congregations that had ever uh, existed in his work program and had kept up their dedication to him through even money that they'd supported him with. And he said, My brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy, my crown, so stand fast. Where? In the Lord. That's your position. How many of us can say, we're standing in the Lord. How you, what do you mean you're standing in the Lord? Oh, I'm standing in His love. I'm standing in His acceptance. I'm standing in His dedication. I'm standing in His... I want you to turn back to the... Well, the uh, first, the second chapter, just for a minute. The third verse. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now that's exactly what Christ did. That's exactly what we don't do in life if we don't have Christ in us. How many people serve people and help people because that they're esteeming the person better than themselves and put them first? Very few. Very, very few. What's the solution? He said, this is it. This is it. Look, look at that. Just look at that verse again. Uh, Stand fast in the Lord, dearly beloved. Then he mentions the trouble they're having. This word beg, this word beseech, his word that says plead. He pleads. He pleased with those ladies and he probably had worked with them. He probably knew. He, maybe he's the one that baptized them. He knows what's going on and he's going to call their names and he calls their name. And he's going to come. He's going to come. He said he, he hoped to be and we think maybe he got out of prison and went over there. We don't know for certain. 
But here is an is a inspired letter from God, and they're saying, say, get in Christ. I'm going I'm, I'm to call your name right now, but I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you. I need for you to and look at Euodius and Seneca. And that both of their names were of, the meaning of them was sweet and nice and outgoing, and they were not acting according to the names that they were holding. That they be of the same mind in the Lord. They have a problem? Yeah, they had a problem. Anybody you know that differs with you? You have a different position that maybe the position you're taking doesn't matter with salvation or what, but you won't speak to them, you won't talk with them, you won't communicate with them, you don't love them. That's exactly what he's, the message here is. He said, you got to be of the same mind. Well, what do you do if you're the same mind? What he said over here before, he said, each one of you got to treat each other like you'd want to be treated, and you've got to put the other one first. Oh, no. Yes, you do. That's what he's already said. He said, that's the position in Christ. Well, that's hard to do. That's the reason he said, I'm crucified with him. I die daily to this old man. Number three, he said, I want you to, I entreat this true yoke fellow. We don't know who this was. Maybe this was Epaphroditus that he sent the letter by. We don't know. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. With Clement, also with others, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Now, that didn't cause them to be lost. They're in the life, and he wants them to get the best out of life. Number four, he says, the fourth verse, he tells them to rejoice. But you know, the only place you can rejoice is not in the difficulty that he's laid out here. In this third chapter, he had these people that were acting very terrible, Second chapter, they were murmuring and complaining. In the first chapter, he said he might even lose his life. But here he's saying, the, the fourth verse, he said, you rejoice in your position of who you are. That you can take the stand with Christ that he took in the second chapter. And that he counted everybody better than himself. And if he hadn't accounted everybody better than himself, he wouldn't have died. And he was the perfect sacrifice. And because he gave himself for us, and we can be in him, and we can be saved, and we can know we have our names written in heaven, we ought not to hesitate to, to sacrifice to save others. Now, in the conclusion of this, of this uh, epistle here, he... He gives a lot of things there. We have a lot of, of statements. I've, I've used a lot of these statements on uh, New Year's resolutions, on refrigerator door, and other places you can see. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in Him always. Pray without, uh, and nothing be anxious, 
But in everything, prayer and supplication. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Verse 19, my God shall supply all of my needs. And in chapter 2, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And in chapter 1, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, which is far better, he says. Well, all of those are one-liners, and they're the, peop they're the things that we ought to think about. But you know the only reason that they pay off is because you're of your location. Because that in prayer, look at that fourth chapter, you just turn it over to the Lord and nothing be anxious. Of a prayer and supplication and, and thanksgiving, you just let it be known. And your position in Christ, you are a prized person. You are a pearl of great prize. And to think that Christ won't help you and give you strength and that'll solve any problem and any difference and any difficulty that we have in our life. If, is anxiety your difficulty? That's in the fourth chapter. Is getting along with people your difficulty? If somebody has hurt you and if, if you're not uh, talking with them, is that your difficulty? Or just understand that your position is in Christ and you can do all things through Him who loves you. And he said in the third chapter, he said, Our, your citizenship and your, your permanent address is in heaven. And in all the difficulties that come upon you, if you just think about that and think about your position is in Christ and you call on him, as Peter said, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. You can just make life more livable. We ask you this morning, have you confessed Christ as the Lord, as the King, as the Savior? Do you believe He's the one who took on flesh and died and became the perfect sacrifice and it was by His blood and your faith in His blood and your faith in His resurrection and your faith in that He is at Christ and you're your Savior and His faith in that He is now calling for you? Is, is, that, is that what you, choice you've made? And you need Him, you need to rededicate your life to that, you can do it right now. If you really put Christ on the back shelf, and you've just sort of filed Him away to, to, to recover later, you're in a dangerous position. And Paul wrote this letter for you. And he brought out all the difficulty of this wonderful congregation that he established and wrote him a letter that we might read it today and draw near to Christ. Do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? Let's sing it.